Hi, welcome to Sidewalk Talk. I'm Steve Fortunato. 2020, well, and it's an understatement to say 2020 has been uh, unique, but there's one thing we all have in common in the world, and that is dealing with the COVID situation. And, and there has been a lot of uh, mental challenges. And I am welcoming to this podcast a mental health professional, Dr. Chanel Young-Pope. Uh, she's a doctor of clinical psychology. She's a resilience professional, a wellness consultant. She's the founder and CEO of Sapiente Wellness. And there she enriches the quality of lives for business professionals in particular. She deals with a lot with burnout prevention, burnout intervention. Doc, thanks for joining us. Good morning, Steve. How are you? We're doing okay, considering, right? It's 2020. Everyone keeps saying the same thing. Well, what else can happen? It's 2020, right? So we have, we've, I think we've all adjusted in this world to expecting the unexpected, haven't we? Absolutely. And uh, it's almost, some people are a little scared to ask that question, what else can happen? Uh, but I, I, I'm optimistic despite all this happening. I came up with a little mantra, I'm prospering in a pandemic. And so uh, you just have to stay positive, you know? Well, Doc, let's get to it then. How do we, how do, we do that? How do, you know, what, what kinds of, let, let's, let's start with a little bit of advice and then get into details about what you do for business professionals. You know, we can, it's, it's, I can say, hey, stay positive, go get them. But realistically, uh, there is a lot of anxiety people are dealing with. I mean, we don't need to go through all the different things. We know people are dealing with a lot right now. And and some are doing okay, but I think a lot of people are not. Um, how how what what are the what some what are some of the things that you recommend people do? Well, I think the bottom line up front is really to look at and focus on you know what are the top things that are are stressors um, right now in our own interpersonal lives. You know as as professionals and leaders, many of us have, you know, been trained to be workaholics. And so my, um, my focus is really helping people to kind of hone in on, stop, take a breath, what key things are impacting you right now? Because um, most of us that are effective leaders, I'm thinking first responders and entrepreneurs like yourself, um, we have to just get it done. And so many of us are just going, 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 and we don't take the time to actually say, okay, hold on. Um, Self-care is the major thing. Despite all the stressors, it's, it, we've heard it time and time again, just like on the airplane, when they say, hey, before you can assist your buddy, you have to take this oxygen mask and put it onto your own face, right? And so really just stopping to pause to assess what is the most uh, troubling area of my life right now, and then looking at coping strategies on how to more effectively manage that. Because many of us don't stop running until some crisis happens, we get physically sick. Um, you know, I'm thinking of people, you know, who've had cardiac arrest. Many of them were just going, going, going until they had that crisis event. So taking the time to really manage self-care and to be okay with acknowledging that something's not going perfectly, you know? 
Well, we had a, 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 a sleep expert on recently. And one of the things she, that, that stood out to me is she was saying, you need to prioritize your sleep. And I feel like you're saying the same thing about your wellness and your mental wellness. So, so yeah, she said, just like, um, you know, have to, you know, take care of whatever, take care of the kids. It's a priority to get the work done. It's a priority. We have all these priorities and we don't even list sleep. And so just put it on your list as one of the things that you need to do. Is that the direction you're going? Is that what you're thinking? You need to prioritize? Absolutely. I agree with, with um, what the sleep expert said is because realistically, no sleep. I, I heard, I was reading something the other day and it was like a quote and it said, um, entrepreneurs and leaders, because it was information about, you know, financial success. You sleep when you die. You don't sleep is for broke people. Um, but the reality is if you don't sleep, you don't give yourself time to rejuvenate um, cells in the body. So in, in along the same vein, in terms of our um, emotional wellness, uh, is something that we have to prioritize and not allow it to be managed through crisis, if that makes sense. So don't wait uh, for so, wait don't wait for the problem don't wait for the catastrophe, be proactive. So, and, and you deal a lot with with entrepreneurs or 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 businesses, and they help out their executives, or or maybe it's um, you know, uh, nurses. I mean, you talk about mental well being and dealing with seeing a lot of things. Uh, those people in the emergency services industry. So. But how do how does someone prioritize that? What 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 are they write? I can do this this mental health. But what do they do? How do they go about doing something like this? So to do that, here's one of the exercises that I do with professionals that I see routinely. Um, there is a work life balance wheel, and it looks like a sort of like a, a pie, and each area of that pie is represented by finances. Um, spirituality, uh, family, uh, work, work, professional, um, ven you know, professional ventures. Uh, the pie chart is completely filled, right, with about seven different areas. And what I ask the person to do is on a scale from one to 10, 10 being I'm stressed out, I have no idea how I'm going to manage this, I'm almost at my breaking point and one being little to no stress. You take those top three areas and rate them. Um, actually, you're rating all seven to eight areas and you're gonna rate them. And so the highest top three that are, or the highest ranking top three are the ones that I'm gonna challenge um, the person or the company that I'm working with, say if it's a CEO, or a group of individuals, right? Because I also do group coaching. Um, I'm gonna challenge them to rate that. And those are the top three things that we're gonna work on and manage. Uh, because sometimes it's so much going on, we get so overwhelmed that it's hard to figure out what the root of the stress is because I may have three stressors going on. When I was in the military as a trauma professional, I was working with, service members who were 
um, you know, maybe in a unit where they were having conflict with their supervisor. They had marital problems. They also had financial problems. Oh, and by the way, they were getting ready to get deployed um, and their wife may have been pregnant. And so it's like, it's a litany of things and it's different for each individual based on the actual profession that they're in. And so really helping the person kind of dumb down, okay, so this is the root of what I'm dealing with now. I can't manage everything simultaneously. So I'm gonna focus on these three areas and then we'll go from there. And as you know, uh, I call it spillage. There's emotional spillage. So if I'm stressed at work and, and I'm consistently hard charging for months on end, then that may roll over to me being irritable with my wife and kids. And so that spills over into marital strain or being an absentee parent. And so all of those things are kind of interconnected. And so I work with individuals on narrowing it down, focusing on what your key areas of focus need to be to help you decrease uh, stressors and be the resilient professional that you were designed to be. And so my primary focus is professional resilience, um, but helping the individual to see how to effectively manage work-life balance, fatigue, burnout, and all those kind of little negative things that come <laughs> at us to sabotage our overall energy, if you will. You're saying be proactive, not reactive. Absolutely, but but that is as as we say sometimes is is easier said than done. Yep. Um, because you know, as you know, when we're irritable and stressed out, for the most part, we're we're not gentle, kind mm. <laughs> people. And so, yes, be proactive on the front end before a crisis happens. You get physic physically ill um, because of you know thinking, like you mentioned earlier. Oh don't you we don't even prioritize sleep it's like well you know there's 24 hours in the day and i'm going to work 20 tw 22 of them and get 3 hours of sleep well long term how productive are we really um and and so that that was kind of the dynamic that brought me into this work kind of seeing uh the creme de la creme um people in the united states military who are you know, innovative, very highly well-trained, some of the most brilliant, highly educated individuals struggling in those, in those areas to, to manage it all. And uh, seeing their exterior, their physical continents change because of stress. And I was one of those <laughs> individuals. It wasn't like I was looking at everyone else going, ah, you need to get it together. I came into this work because I actually experienced fatigue, burnout, and, and had a physical illness as a result of it. There's a lot there. And I want to, first of all, 24-year military vet, thank you for your service. We appreciate you very much. You're welcome, Steve. Thank you for acknowledging of that. Of course. Of course. Um, so... Did you identify, it, it's a real cool story, you're doing this based on your own experiences, and then is it, did you identify that you wanted, did this happen when you, when you were in the military, that you identified this is a, this, people need help, I can help them, first I need help, how, tell me how this all came about then. 
So um, it was a very, I was stationed at my, my last three years in the military. I did, so I'm a, a, what they call dual component service member. So I did 10 years in the United States Air Force, but I was a reservist, um, had some stints on active duty. And then I got commissioned uh, in the United States Army and I did uh, 14 years in the Army. And so my last duty station was in Fort Hood, Texas. And so it was, at, you know, we've heard the news reports about Fort Hood. And so there's been some traumatic events that have taken place there, you know, um, recently and in, within the last, you know, five to 10 years. And so I was a, a trauma professional working in a behavioral health clinic. And so it was very, very fast paced. So my days were anywhere from you know a 12 to 14 hour day by the time i went to work managed all the administrative duties that i needed to take care of in terms of paperwork um you know additional meetings and that kind of stuff and so back to sleep um i was probably averaging maybe four hours of sleep a day um, because i worked shift work uh for years before coming into the military while i was in college and so sleep was always a problem um and then having an extreme um caseload of as i mentioned before treating and caring for individuals with complex issues um i began to experience what in the in the mental health and medical field is called um vicarious trauma and so as a result of that um, I, I started experiencing a chronic pain syndrome. And so uh, I was diagnosed with a chronic, chronic pain disorder. Um, and so that was the my sort of interpersonal story, but I was also working on an interdisciplinary team with medical professionals to include MD, uh, med, you know, medical doctors uh, who were psychiatrists, uh, worked with nurse practitioners, social workers, um, mental health technicians, um, uh, the the military has the uh, combat medic. And so those were the people that were on my team. Very, very uh, fast paced culture. Um, and I'm working with the top clinical professionals. And I remember sitting in a meeting one morning, it was an interdisciplinary meeting we would have every morning to talk about, you know, what patients had to go to the emergency department, um, and, and just kind of relaying statistics that had happened within the past 24 hours. And I looked around the room and I remember just seeing, uh, one, I remember one of my, my colleagues in particular, she had an oxygen tube. And so she was at our table literally with an oxygen tank. And so I just remember looking around, seeing people looking very, very tired. Um, some of them um uh you know because they were colleagues but also personal friends we had rapport um and so they would talk about their aches and pains they would talk about their frustration with you know some of the bureaucracy that um, mental health professionals have to deal with uh in terms of response time to to patients and intervention and that kind of thing and it dawned on me we're the creme de la creme if you will and this is a if it looked like a motley crew <laughs> because we were all tired and overwhelmed and you know but still invested uh in doing what we needed to do to care for patients and so um my focus shifted on 
I wonder what would be a good way to help professionals, not just in the medical field, but professionals from all disciplines all across the world, what would be a good way to um, assist them with managing stress and fatigue and boosting resilience so that they can be the best version of their professional selves. And so that's what made me want to come up with a web-based um, e-course around uh, resilience, um, burnout, fatigue, work-life balance, sleep, and all those other things that, uh, you, you know, you don't have to be a doctor you know, to, to manage that, you know, if you're an entrepreneur like yourself or a nurse or a caregiver, you know, that's a huge population that is constantly um, experiencing overwhelm. And so wanting to streamline that in a way to help others as well as tweaking my, myself to be a better version of myself is how I decided, okay, I want to launch Sapien Type Wellness and get into the nitty gritty of, of, of improving myself, but also helping others as we do that. That's an interesting story. So what you're saying is it, the mental health professionals, I mean, as mental health professionals, you weren't even practicing what you're preaching now. And you forced, you're like, so you discovered it with, with your own, People, you guys weren't even able to take care of your, yourselves. All people need something like this at some point, probably, especially, you know, in 2020. Um, so you discover that you figure you, you say, I'm so is that so when you were in the military, is that when you said, I assume you said, well, I got to fix myself first. So you you kind of self-diagnosed and then you went and you figured, so you're saying you fix yourself. Did you say right there though, I need to do something about this for everybody. Did you know there that eventually you're going to get to, I'm going to fix myself and then I'm going to start this practice or did that just happen? It kind of happened. I, I, I have to be honest with you, Steve. No, I did not um, fix myself. Uh, I think that is possibly a myth. There are some folks who are excellent at self-care um those are you know some of your nutritionists and your yoga instructors mm. and um the physical exterior they are excellent at managing right but a lot of us um because we don't see you, you can't you know necessarily just look at someone and fully assess you know the the if they were to get a score for their mental health right mm. Um, we can see the exterior, like if there's a cancer patient, we can see, oh, okay, they're going through chemo. And so there's some, some residual physical symptoms as a result of that. Um, but no, I did not get the memo until, as I mentioned before, there was a crisis. Like it didn't dawn on me that I was stressed out. Um, I remember being at work and my sciatic nerve gave me a clue that something was wrong and i was at work i hadn't eaten breakfast so it was um it was the norm to just come the military trains us to work 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 you work until the work is done and the truth of the matter is the work is never done <laughs> and so um i was at work and i got this cramping sensation it went from my tailbone to down my groin and i couldn't walk 
And so I was scheduled to see patients that day. And basically I had to cancel and go straight to the ER. And so that was, and I believe I got bed rest and a bunch of pain meds, but it didn't click that I wasn't managing the emotional health because the body is connected, mind, mm -hmm. body, spirit. So the emotional piece, and because I was not, I didn't have an outlet or I didn't choose to, um, I didn't choose to effectively utilize the resources that were there for me. And so the, the physiological symptoms began to manifest. And then I had the aha moment, which was what I was saying before. We normally don't respond until we have a crisis, either physically or a family crisis or a financial crisis. And we don't really respond until a crisis alerts us. And then we go, aha, I have a problem. So it was then that I realized, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm falling apart. And so um, it, was, it was really a, a moment for me to go, yeah, I really need to practice what I preach. And so I then got, I, they say in my line of work, every counselor has a good counselor. And so I began to do the, um, the self-help part with, with seeking professional counseling around managing a toxic work environment. And so it proved to be effective for me, but I, you know, having, you know, education and all that stuff, um, the reality was I didn't do anything to, to execute until my body said, Chanel, <laughs> I'm tired and I'm gonna let you know. You're gonna sit down because the sciatic nerve is on overtime and trust me if anyone has had sciatic nerve yeah. pain they know it takes you out <laughs> yeah, i get that i get that and, and but you you hit something earlier whether it's a, a ceo or a caregiver or somebody in the military or you know a nurse whatever it is they're they're going to they're valuable because a lot of it's their thought process. I'm going to continue to go until I get the job done. And reality is the job's never done. That really sticks with me because that's true, right? At least in up here, we think it's just never done. So we're See, always- my sound went out for a second. Repeat, repeat oh. that statement again. So it, it, when you had said, um, I think you were talking about the armed forces when the armed forces, it's uh, you continue to go until you get the job done. But reality is the job is never done for a lot of us. You may not be working with whatever, if you are a CEO, it might not be working with the team or staff or a client or whatever it is, or the board of directors. Maybe you're going to bed, you're going to sleep, but you don't turn it off. You're in other words, the job is really never done. It really isn't. So, and these people are, are, are valuable to the businesses they work with or operate or to their employees because they bring it to the table. Mm -hmm. They feel a heavy responsibility to take care of and help out the employees, whatever the situation is, or their clients or patients. But how will they know? I, I get it. There's a crisis. I have a sciatic, extremely painful. I'm done, right? I'm out. Something's wrong. But how do they know <laughs> before it gets physical? Because mental and physical spirit, it all connects. But how can they figure it out before they get there? I guess this would be my question. 
That's an excellent question. I would, my answer to that would be when they have no peace. The example that you gave about not being able to turn it off, um, I was one of those people. And an exercise that at the time a professional had me do was, I, I, she was like, you, you can't have a to-do list with 25 things on it. Well, you can, but it breeds overwhelm. Um, so the reality is you have to give these things a container. And so one of the things she had me start to do was to put no more than maybe five things per day on my to-do list. And the, uh, so back to prioritizing, right? Um, the key thing is those top time sensitive things go to the top of the list. Everything is not a must. Some things are a must, some things are a probably, and some things are a can do tomorrow. And so after I created that, right, then she, she advised me that I needed to give it a container. What does that mean? I was like, give it a container, what do you mean? She's like, you work on it until a certain time, and then you have a knockoff time. And anything that you're, I'm that person that's like, oh crap, did I turn the iron off? Oh my God, I forgot to call mom. And so the thoughts are just going, going, going. She's like, you write all the stuff down either in a journal or I use the uh, note section on my phone. Um, you write it all down before your head hits that pillow and you command to the universe that it is done. Even God rested, right? It is done until I come back to it. So figuratively, she was saying, you're putting it in a uh, imaginary box, if you will, you're placing a container on it until you're ready to open it again tomorrow. So when you said, how does the person manage it before the crisis? It's if you realize that you're anxious or unsettled and you have no peace, there's always this angst, then you're probably on the crusp of overwhelm. And most of us kind of feel that in our gut. Like, you know, when you're revved up or it's, it's just, things are just not settled. And so if we, one, prioritize, like I can't function without to-do list. I realized that I was trying to keep it all up here. I just cannot. I have to do a to-do list. I make sure it's not overly, like there may be one for the month, but it gets broken down into chunks. So chunking the things that are our priorities and then giving us ourselves permission to actually say, this is my stopping point. And I'm not gonna feel guilty about it because Rome was not building a day. Now I understand that sometimes there are time crunches. If you're submitting a contract or something like that, then you may have to burn the midnight oil, but that is for a um, condensed amount of time. And when that timeline is over, then you go back to a norm. But if we're constantly day in and day out, always in that angst crunch, it's never ending and you've been doing it for 10 or 15 years, it's problematic. It means that we need to delegate some things. We need to put some things in containers. And those are the skills 
Um, I call it strategic time management, uh, strategic work-life balance. Strategic means you really have to put some thought into strategizing how we can really define what a priority is and what is something that we can, um, that is not as time sensitive. And so to come back to your original question, how do we know, how do we manage it before this crisis point is really, really being attentive to, are we in a place of unrest? Because the the body is going to tell us, like, I, I remember I had headaches often back at, this is before physically I had this, you know, incident where I had to go to the ER and whatnot. Headaches, back pain, knee pain. It was from holding all of this stuff in, not having a man, not having um, an outlet, um, or I won't say not having one because there were resources available. I chose not to execute them or implement them. And this is a major issue with many professionals because they're leaders. They are the go-to person. They are the person that the whole family depends on. Um, they are running the entire medical department. What would they say if anybody knew that I had my own therapist or I had you know, to, to, to consult with a mental health professional or I had to go to you know, Overeaters Anonymous, whatever the case may be, right? We're, as leaders, we're trained that you just suck it up and drive on, you don't need any help. And the, the problem with that philosophy or that train of thought is eventually there is a timestamp on that before either the crisis comes or our body keeps the score and tells us Hey, I'm checking out today. The mental becomes physical. Absolutely. It is, it is, it is connected. And um, there are many people who I call them withholders. Um, they are just kind of people that they, they just hold it all in. And they, they feel like, ah, that's for weak people. Those resources are for weak people and they suck it up. But those are the individuals that um, end up with cancer, um, end up with um, cardiac issues, uh, all manner of physiological symptoms because the body wasn't designed long to, to, to manage long-term stress. And so if we don't manage things on the front end by George, they come to bite us in the behind on, on the back end. And so the, the other interesting thing, Steve, that, um, that I've thought a lot about is when we have a physical issues, let's say cancer, right? And, and, and we find out a family member or one of us actually has something like a diagnosis that's significant. We're encouraged. Oh my God you have cancer, we need to find you the best treatment professionals, you know, in your region. It is heavily encouraged. But if we have a broken leg, right, you're going to find the, the, the best doc who's the best surgeon that can reset that thing um, and, and manage it 
cosmetically so you don't have a large scar and the leg heals properly. But when it comes to mental health, there is this stigma that prevents um, business professionals and lay people for that matter from going to seek out uh, resources to assist them um, be the, a better version of themselves. But when there's a physical illness, we cheer the person on, hey, go get it. But when we manage our mental health, for some reason, it is viewed as if we have a flaw um, or we are weak in some way. And so um, our frontline leaders, first responders, CEOs, those kind of folks, many of them are not the kind of folks who are going to go sit in a therapist's office. So that's also why I wanted to create a web-based product that can assist individuals globally um, in a way that they can be transparent about these things without having to feel as if they are flawed or weak in some way. Um, but, but that they are actually managing uh, resilience and, and um, becoming the best version of themselves that they could be. Yeah, I think uh, the stigma thing on mental health, I, 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 my, I feel like it's getting better. I don't dare to say that the, people, the stigma is getting. I, mean, I lost a, a brother-in-law to suicide, and I saw the, the pain, and um, obviously there's a lot of pain in the family. Um, Sorry but, to hear that. Yeah, well, thank you. And I, but, I, but I witnessed, uh, like, it made me much more aware of mental health you know i always thought can't people take care of it and, and and my wife and we always compared it to it's like once exactly what you said i mean cancer you, you i mean i don't know if it's because it's more invisible mental health is more invisible but but i'm more aware of it now and i can see when people are struggling mentally so to me it is somewhat physical you can see it but um yeah if someone is sick they are sick and they go take care of so, and it was like like jokes about mental health it's not like people don't make mm -hmm. jokes about cancer why are people right. you know but i do feel like it's it's much more um i think people are much more aware that it is a serious issue and that it can and 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 then seeking help is a good thing but i do think the last people that will accept that help are the people you are talking about, <laughs> which would be those frontline workers. It would be a caregiver, honestly. I mean, the caregiver, you know, if, if, if I don't do this, you know, mom's in trouble. I got to be the caregiver or it's that CEO or it's the entrepreneur. I think those, those people are going to be the last to accept it. So, I mean, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, there, there are kind of mental blocks and barriers to why people, you know, won't go, as you just said. One is everybody says they don't have time. I got too much to do. I don't have time. But, but as we mentioned before, right, it is about pri prioritizing what you know will sustain you long term. Your original question a little earlier was, but Chanel, how do we catch this on the front end, yeah. if you will, right? Before there's any crisis, it's just like anything else. In the military, they taught us this term, preventative maintenance. 
And that term was tied to our equipment, right? We had to clean it. We had to properly stow it. Um, we did, you know, maintenance checks, right? And when we did those maintenance checks, if um, we could see that, you know, screws were eroded or, you know, and it wasn't just to physical equipment, it was with paperwork and all those kinds of things, but it's the same concept for us. Like preventative maintenance is what we have to do on the front end to manage the long-term um, goal of staying physically and emotionally healthy. And um, busyness is one of the key barriers, right? I don't have time, but we won't go months or weeks without eating. You know what I mean? We, that's, a, that's a key uh, thing that, that we have to do to sustain us, right? Is proper nutrition. But when it comes to the management of our emotional health, we'll go years or never. Right. And, yeah. and some of that also is about culturally, about worldview and culturally what we've been taught. Right. Based on family of origin, based on ethnicity, all of those and based on economics. There are some people who um, don't have the financial resources to consistently go see a mental health provider. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there are folks who just don't believe in it. They just, yeah, that's for weak people yep. or, you know, uh, th that's not a part of who we are. We just don't do that, if you will. And so the busy professionals and smart people, you know, we have, <laughs> I look at Facebook and Instagram, there's a subject matter expert on every timeline, right? Mm -hmm. And and everybody's a guru now. Many of them don't have do degrees not to say that you're not smart if you don't have a degree but you. many of them are self-proclaimed experts you know mm -hmm. and so some people are like eh, i'll just study it i'll just read up on it and so um a kind of faulty thinking around why it is important and how they can benefit from it another barrier is some people have attempted and had horrible experiences um, where they've gone to see a professional or maybe even it's not even a mental health professional, but maybe a life coach or some sub, some person who was a subject matter expert, if you will, or proclaimed to be, and it wasn't a good experience for them. And so they throw the baby out with the bathwater. And so I talk about coaching and, and counseling. I use the analogy that it's like trying on a good shoe, right? when you go for running shoes, you have to try on three or four sometimes before you find the one that really, really fits. And so, um, so it is with uh, wellness and life coaching and uh, um, this idea of you have to find what fits for you and pull those strategies in because the wellness uh, um, regimen for a nurse you know, maybe a little bit different than an entrepreneur or a medical doctor that's, you know, managing six um, very large, fast-paced practices across a metropolitan region or area, you know what I mean? Or uh, wellness for a new mom mm -hmm. may be very different than uh, maybe wellness for a single, a single dad. Yeah. 
Um, and so it has to be designed and structured in a comprehensive way based on the wellness professional that you're trying to assist. And so that's my approach and strategy because everybody, not everybody, but a lot of companies use the word wellness, but essentially they're just teaching people how to eat right. Not that that's not important, but it's not necessarily comprehensive. And so teaching me to eat right doesn't manage my financial problems or my divorce that I'm going through. Um, so there's spillage. And so I think it's very important to connect those dots um, based on what those top three things are that an individual may be, may be managing. So there's a CEO out there and he or she's like, you know, uh, maybe, maybe I don't need help. I'm doing great, but my team needs help. Um, so they, how do they, how would someone contact you? I know your website address. We're, we're talking with Dr. Chanel Young Pope. Uh, she is the founder and CEO of Sapiente Wellness. All right. So your website address is S-A-P-I-E-N-T wellness.com. S-A-P-I-E-N-T-E wellness.com. So somebody goes to your website is like, okay, you know, I'm interested. How, how, take me through that process. What would, what would happen? They just, they give you a call and you guys sit. So they give me a call. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're okay. Go ahead. Um, They give me a call and basically that's, I would go into my consultation role as a consultant, if you will. And so I do a consultation with the CEO, the owner of the company um, to look at what hurdles they, they believe they're running into corporately. Um, what is the population that they're managing? What are the top three issues they're seeing consistently? Excuse me, do you have a, uh, an issue with um, turnover? Um, you know, do you have an issue with just the nature of the work being overwhelmed? For example, a friend of mine is a mortician right? And because of COVID-19, um, there is a substantial uh, increase in the amount of bodies um, and, and work that they're having to do in terms of funerals. So working with that company um, in terms of grief and loss, and yes, some people might say, well, they see it every day. What's the big deal? They see it every day, but many times um, some things have not resonated with them on a personal level, uh, but now when they see, you know, little children or, um, you know, elderly people that maybe remind them of their grandmother, there are increased triggers. So going into the organization and doing sensing sessions and then really sitting down um, with corporate leadership to talk about how to more effectively manage that, but, you, but, but I have to know what issues they are seeing first and then we work from there that's awesome so it's dr chanel young pope i mean would you say i hate to use that word crisis but do we have a c-suite burnout crisis in america do we have a a, a top level burnout situation 
Well, um, the you know, there aren't any major, major studies. You know, we look at burnout on smaller groups or specific populations, right? There are studies now on um, the increase of burnout with tech professionals. So the, the studies are usually, that I have seen rather, um, usually targeted to a specific population. You know, nurses, a large population is um, MDs. Uh, that a lot of the data is compiled on. And so if to say globally, I would think there is an increase simply because of COVID and never have we had a crisis that has happened globally on all, pretty much all seven continents simultaneously, right? right. There, are yeah. different, there are different issues happening in different regions, right? But they may not all be the same thing. Yeah. But with COVID, right, it's a collective experience of the same crisis globally for the most part on all continents. And so if I had to guess or speculate, I would say, yes, you know, the pandemic, there is a, a crisis with probably fatigue and burnout, um, given our first responders, um, you know, the, the big population now is parents, you know, having to be um, subject matter experts, all things education, if you will. And depending upon the educational level <laughs> of, of that parent and whether they, what type of student they were, you know, their spillage with that. And so to, to come back to the question, I would, I would uh, bet um, my life on the fact that there is a significant increase um, globally in terms of uh, people reaching their breaking points and um, more uh, an increase in, in, in a crisis, people literally feeling the, the, the pinch, the crunch, um, but like I said, the research uh, is not necessarily on collective groups. It's broken down on individual disciplines. Um, but because of COVID, I'm sure that, that there will probably be new research, maybe um, around different global groups, you know, from Americans versus, versus uh, those in Asia or Africa and so on and so forth. Um, but I do, I do remember reading a study. It was quite some time ago. It was in Asia. I can't remember if it was China, Japan, or what have you, but they have a crisis with, um, burnout. And one of the, it, it reminds me of what we were talking about earlier. One of the, um, uh, I, I will use the word highlighted uh, areas of um, how should I say struggle was that they they were having businessmen and women work such long hours that they were literally passing out mm -hmm. like in subways um, on trains and in various places and as I was researching it. They, I can't remember the actual um, name of the phenomenon, but it's literally like they pass out because they've worked for maybe uh, 10 days where they've not slept for 
240 hours, if you will. And so they have photographs of men and women just literally unconscious. And it's called, it's a particular phenomenon that they mention because but depending upon the organization they're affiliated with, it's like when we said the work is never done, they're expected to just work, work, work. And so they were talking about some of them literally pass out and they're there in like a comatose state for several hours until medical attention is provided. But some of them have literally died because they've just literally like collapsed. Mm. Um, when we talk offline, I'll, I'll eventually tell you the name of it. But I was really like, wow. Like, I, cause I was curious, like, is this just an American thing? Or like, what do people think globally about this work, 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 work? kind of dynamic and its overall impact on you know the physiological um person as well as the psyche well it's great well, dr chanel it's cool we learn you know your story is fantastic love your story uh appreciate your your passion uh for helping people uh appreciate your authenticity of talking about you know, your own situation and going through it and now wanting to help others. It's a really, it's really fascinating story. And uh, I think though, my, my takeaway is to prioritize, right? To think about your mental health, just like I, you know, just like I, I think about my physical health and working out and all that stuff and, and, and try to be much more aware of it so that it doesn't turn into a physical problem catch it early be more aware and prioritize mental health i think that's really good advice love the top three situations uh, um, really good advice uh from you and i i appreciate you you offering that again it is dr chanel young pope uh sapiente wellness and it's s-a-p-i-e-n-t-e wellness.com you can look her up and connect with her there uh, and I, I, again, I thank you, uh, for taking your time out and, uh, for sharing your story and, and, and for giving, giving us the advice we've, we've really, uh, I, I mean, I've consumed a lot of information here and I, I've learned a lot. So thank you for that, doc. You are absolutely welcome. And, uh, in the meantime, if someone wants to get uh, a hold of me, they can give me a call. My number is area code 757-572-94. Four, seven. Again, I am, as you said, Dr. Chanel Young-Pope, founder and CEO of Sapienti Wellness, and I consider myself a resilience professional. So I'm also uh, coming out with a book called The Restoration Project, mm -hmm. 21 Days to a New You. And some of the things that we discussed today will be in that book. Eventually, it will be showcased on the website. People will be able to go in, go ahead and get it from Amazon. So that's coming soon. And so it was a pleasure talking to you today as well, Steve. You too, Doc. Can you let me know when that when that book is ready to go? We'll let people know. Yes, sir. I absolutely will. No problem with that. All right. Thanks again, Dr. Chanel Young Pope. Um, good luck to you and, and thanks for everything that you do. Uh, that wraps up this uh, edition of Sidewalk Talk. You can download all of our podcasts uh, by going to our website, shovelthesidewalk.com. Uh, you can also 
you, if you if you have a story of inspiration, information, education, a, a story um, that we should share with, with others, please don't hesitate. There's a form on our website. Fill it out, and uh, and we will connect and and share that story. Thanks again to Dr. Chanel Young Pope. Thank you for listening. Thanks for watching. Thank you for participating. This has been Sidewalk Talk, and I'm Steve Fortunato.